Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, ladies. Are you ready for our study tonight? We are going to talk about creating a model to live your life by. I've been thinking about this, and, um, you know, we get a lot of information just going to church, reading our Bible, listening to sermons, seeing other people's lives. But, but how do you use all of it? You know, like, take it all together and let's form something that we can follow and we can fill in the blanks on, right? So we're going to create a model. I don't think this pen is going to last much longer. We're going to throw that one away. Every month at Woven, we figure out which ones work. Create a model to live your life, okay? Everybody good with that? So just to give you an update, um, my new book, which is a devotional, I just uploaded it today. It is getting ready to, um, look at that, my son. Thank you, Gabe. He's already liked my video I just put on TikTok. But uh, (laughs) I just uploaded my latest book um, on uh, Amazon, but it's in review right now, so I'll send out a Facebook when it's ready. But just uh, the book, it's a devotional, and it is designed to let you decide what self-talk you're going to put in your own mind to think about about yourself. Um, The Holy Spirit revealed it to me last week, and I think it was last week. Maybe it was the week before. I think it was last week. But here's the thing. All day long and your whole life, you have heard things that you've picked up, good things and bad things, and those are the things that you formed your identity with. Those are the things that you decide, oh, I could do that. I'd like to do that. Oh, I can't do that. No, no, I can't, you know, and all these things, right? And so without realizing what you're doing is taking all the information you hear in a day and you take it back with you and your mind sorts the stuff out and you throw some away and you keep some. And unfortunately, a lot of people throw away the things they don't think they could ever do. And they keep the mediocre things. And so you think on those things, and that becomes your identity, and you don't realize it. And so this devotional is designed, I have written things in there that is in the positive, because your brain does not know whether it's positive or negative, right? So if you say, I am not going to do something, your brain picks up on the thing you say you're not going to do and thinks it has to do it just so you know. So like that verse that says in 1 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy 1, 7. I always forget. I wrote the book about it. 2 Timothy. (laughs) About spirit of fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So the confession, the self-talk out of that verse is not, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Because what are you going to be thinking about? The spirit of fear. The self-talk out of that is, I have the spirit of power, 
love, and a sound mind. And what it does, you know how every country has laws? So like you could go to, um, you could go to Russia right now, and you could do something that's legal in America, but you could be put in jail in Russia. You could go to India right now. We had a, a guest speaker recently from India just went this past Wednesday. And he was telling us, I was shocked to find this out. I thought, well, it's just something they don't do. But you actually could go to jail for this in India if you eat beef. You could go to jail. It's illegal. I went, I thought it was just something they don't have for you to buy or like, you know, they don't eat it because it's sacred. But it's actually, you could have jail time. Some people have been beaten to death for eating it. So, okay, so what determines what's allowable and not allowable? It's the law of that land, right? Well, in your life, when you do your own self-talk, you are setting up the laws of your life that you're governing your life by. Your mind has that information, and that's what makes it decide, I'm not going to receive that I'm going to receive this. So if you have everybody else's laws, everybody is telling you how you should live your life in your head, guess how you're making decisions? You're making it based on what you hear other people say. Right? So this devotional is designed to give you things to tell yourself. So my suggestion with it is almost everybody has a phone. If you don't, get with somebody that does. Right? And they have the voice memo option on the phones. You know, you can do a recording. You press play, you press record, and say those things one time. Just say it. And then you go to bed at night with that playing in your head. And your voice is telling your body these things. Because the number one authority in your life is your own voice. When you... When you replace someone else's version of you, you may in the beginning hear their voice saying it, but I can guarantee you as, as time goes on and your life goes on, you're hearing your own voice say that about yourself. Test it and tell me if it's not true. Right? So over time, you have convinced yourself that this is who you are. Well, let's just reverse channels a bit and tell ourselves who we really are. So what I, when I was saying about the laws, so when you put in your mindset, okay, I have the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, what you have done is set up a law that would arrest the spirit of fear. So if the spirit of fear would try to deposit a thought in your life, right? So during the day, you're hanging out with people. Everybody's afraid of something, blah, blah, blah. When you go home at night now, you remember you got yourself talking. You're going to play it to yourself. And you're reminding yourself of the laws of your life, right? So that spirit of fear can't enter because you have laid down the law. So you know how the Bible says we should arrest every thought, that goes against the word of God, this is how you do an arrest. You put the word of God in you. The word of God, right, will search you and go, wait a minute, we have a law against that. 
that needs to be arrested. We arrest that thought. It can't enter. Do you see how this works? So awesome. Well, this book, it's the, most, it's the smallest but most potent book I've ever written. And I kept it the size it is because I want you to have room when you listen to a sermon again. You should make notes in your notes and say, self-talk this, self-talk that, self-talk this. Go home when you leave the place, press record and say it. How much easier is that? And just keep playing it to yourself. You go for a walk, play your own voice, telling you who you are. Like this is gold right here. So. I said all that to say about the book, but the point is, even if you don't get the book, which I highly recommend you do, because I have it all laid out for you. I mean, really, it makes it so easy. <laughs> you could do it yourself if you want. It's no big deal, because there'll be things you should do for yourself. But I started off for you, give you an idea. Now, when you've made all these confessions, I have it by categories, different subject matters, right? You now paint a picture, an image of what you look like with those words. So think about the law, think about the laws of a land that allows a land to look lawful versus one that looks lawless, right? Isn't there a difference? Isn't there a difference in the production of that place? Isn't there a difference in the way it looks? Isn't there a difference in its maintenance, in its uh, infrastructure? A lot of it has to do with the laws of the land and what happens to lawbreakers. So you can have all the laws you want. Like you can have all the morale you have. And all the moral beliefs. And everything else. And still not be successful. Because you're, you don't have enforcement. You don't have the law enforcement in place. Right? Your mind can become the law enforcement that decides, because he says it's the thoughts that you have to take captive, right? So that's where the arrest needs to be made. So if you have a cleaned up mindset, then your land is going to look nice. It's going to be well manicured. It's going to be like perfect. Green grass. You talk about green grass, you know, the other side is green grass. You don't have to look at the other side. You got green grass, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You have production. You have a place. People want to come take pictures where you are because it looks so good, right? This is all possible. We all have access to this information. But again, the Bible tells us, too, that we have to be taught. So God has designed people to do things to make it easier for us. Well, heck, I like to utilize all that when I get it, right? So all that to say, all that about the book. But it's going to add to this. So. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. And we're going to look at the beginning part. Okay, this one's going to. Looks like all the blue ones are gone. Deuteronomy 28. Um, is going to be one place we go. Let me write them all down, and then I'm going to show you how they work together. Deuteronomy 28, then we have 1 John 4, 4. I'll put them up here so you have them when we're ready. And then we have uh, Matthew 22, 37. 
Everybody good? I just kind of got right into it today, didn't I? And uh, Psalm 35 and Psalm 91. Okay. Now, remember, we're talking about a model here. You know how when they do the model home, it's just a model. You just walk in to kind of see what the possibilities are, right? That's what this is, just a model. So you're going to find things to fit these categories yourself. But I'm going to get you started, right? Okay. So let's go to Deuteronomy 28. And we see the first thing is, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. So the first thing you need to know in your model is you're supposed to be high, not low. Right? So you're supposed to be at the top. Right? But to to be this in the first place, you need to do something. One criteria. What is it? Obey. Obey God. Okay? And your obedience shows your love. Right? Now, God's love language is obedience. You know how we have the five love languages? Yeah. God's one love language is obedience. (laughs) That's it. Obedience. I think most parents would say that is their love language also. <laughs> like you could do, you could miss, you could miss a gift. You could miss spending time with me. You could miss doing the chores. You could, but as long, if you obey, we're all good. <laughs> we will, we will pardon everything if you would just obey. Okay. So, <laughs> so if you ever wanted to know, so. Uh, okay, so we know in Hebrews and all those places where it talks about faith, it says without faith it is impossible to please God, right? Now your obedience relies on having faith in God, okay? So you cannot obey God if you don't have faith in what he's saying. Everybody with me? So faith is simply agreeing that what God wrote in the Bible, and what he says to you through revelation, your relationship with him, is believable and does not need to be checked out. That's really what faith is. Like you don't have to get someone else's opinion on what God already said. Think about this. If you, you're, you're the parent and you have a child and you ask them to do something that's beneficial for their life, right? It's going to save their life. It's going to just be the best thing that ever happened to them. And they say to you, well, that's nice, Mom. Thanks so much. Let me check with my friend to see if I should do it or if I should take it. Like, how's that going to go over? Right? We were created in the image and the likeness of God, according to Genesis 1.26, okay? So our response to our people, anybody around us, 
right? But we're using kids for now because that's a close relationship like we have with God. Is not unlike how God would like us to respond to him, right? We aren't functioning like an animal or something. We're functioning like God's image and his design. That's what our model is after, okay? So if we have a model based on something else, we are limiting ourselves to our capabilities as ordered by God. So right there, right off the bat, we don't have faith for who God created us to be. Okay? So the first thing is, you got to realize that you were designed to be high above all. Not just the top, but there should be a space between you and the next person. You understand? You're not just top, you're high above. You see that? Who said it though? Like, I'm not making this stuff up. This is in God's word. Do you understand what I'm saying? This isn't some motivational speech. This is literally what God said. And this is what he was telling his people who we were adopted in as. So we have been adopted like these people. Right? These were the children of Israel that were his chosen people. We are his chosen people. Peter tells us, chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. That's who we is. So we can take what he said to them and take it as our own. Everybody understand? Right? You're tracking with me? This is just the first thing. All right. So we have to remove every picture that says otherwise. That's your assignment. If you think being humble is being under someone else, you're wrong. And you're being proud if you don't want to remove it. I just broke all your dreams and hopes right there. Now, God has given us people in our life that are authorities over us in different things. But when it comes to your personal life and your responsibility to fulfill your purpose on this earth, you are the top dog. When you go to heaven, there ain't one person God's going to call as a witness that messed up your life. Not a single person will be called as a witness. You understand? You are going to have to answer why you did not become what has been written about you. Um, Now, we know what's been written. Let's go to Psalm 139 for the... um, for the about the book, it, I think it's one sixty. It's one thirty nine sixteen. It's back on now. We spared the audience online from hearing me blow my nose. Okay, so. <laughs> Psalm 139.16, here's what it says. You saw me before I was born. Now let's picture this. Psalm 139, verse 16. Who saw you first? 
God. The first one to see you was God. Okay? All right. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out. Who made a plan for you first? God planned you first. One your parents. Nobody planned you. Okay, go back one more just for a second. I want to show you something else. Who, uh, 16, who made records in a book about you? He made records like it already happened. Right? Does God lie? No. It means then that if he recorded this is supposed to happen for this person at this time, it is absolutely so. Nobody else is authorized to change it but you. And the only reason why you can change it is because God gave you free will. And we see that example in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Okay? But you are the only authorized person to change what's already been documented that you can do, should do, and are capable of doing. So who... Who would have the power greater than God and you to change that? Sorry about that, people online. So, so think, let's, let's picture all those people in your head that are the reasons why you can't and name whatever it is. Who authorized them? You did. The devil didn't authorize them. And God didn't authorize them. You did. You authorized them. And you know how you authorize them? By letting them dictate the laws of your life. sobering isn't it right so you will not do something unless you could see it in your mind so or if you get an instruction about it right so like if God gives you an instruction to do something you're not just seeing words. You're seeing like a picture of what he's asking you to do. Is that not correct? If I say there's a red apple sitting on the table, what automatically are you thinking about right now? A red apple. You're not thinking that it's sitting in a chair. You're saying the red apple you see is on the table. Okay, that's just how we are. We hear words and we form pictures. Okay? Somebody has been forming the pictures that you are living your life. 
and we stop putting the words of our life ourselves in us because after a while you get frustrated that what you want to happen isn't happening. But see, what you want to happen is based on what somebody else says you're capable of doing. So you're not able to fulfill your deepest desire because you never formed a picture of it for yourself with your own words. Think about this for a minute. Your own words have a barrier at the limit of the person you listen to. Even if you listen to an expert and the best of the best, your words will go to the limit of that person's activity. Unless you willfully change them yourself. Now, what is the highest form of words that would override anything else if we own it? God's word. It's a guarantee. It has been refined by fire seven times, the number of completion. Nobody has to check it anymore. It's already been checked, and it works. It worked for Jesus. 100% it worked for Jesus. Okay? So the question is, what are we doing testing it now? We weren't authorized to test it. There's no need to test it. What are we trying to prove? Right? We can't be at the top, high above, with a big gap, if we don't put our own words in play. We just can't do it. Because we're going to always have a picture of whoever was the best and we're going to try to at least achieve what they did. Well, that ain't a big gap. <sighs> this is so good, isn't it? Okay, we're just in the first. All right. Let's, let's go back to Deuteronomy 28. So we see who, who knew about us first, right? Who saw us first, who planned us first. And if you keep reading Psalm 139, you should jot it down and keep reading. You'll get to see who touched you first. Because he formed you in your mother's womb, which means God's fingerprints are all over your insides. And then for the ladies who had babies, you get double dose and triple dose. How many ever kids you had? Because God's fingers had to get in there and he formed some stuff. Oh, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So your womb's been all touched by God. It, doesn't this make you feel better? Like you talk about connecting with God. I can't connect with God. He, listen, if you were a mama ever in your life, you got touched in there. And the fact that you're on this planet meant you got touched. So when there's a sickness going on in your body, you could tell yourselves, you remember who touched you first? Go back to that. And let your voice say it with authority until it listens. Don't just stop saying it because it's not listening to you. Your body was designed to listen to you. Stop having other people have to tell it what to do. It's a bad habit. 
to, to think that somebody else has to tell your body what to do. You tell your body what to do. Even if somebody prays for you and they break that stuff off, you know what they're breaking half the time? It's the stuff that people said over you and what you said about yourself. <laughs> so then they pray, a miracle happens, and then you go home and you think about the bad stuff again. Well, what's going to happen in about six months? <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Nobody can take away the authority your voice has over your body. It cannot happen. It's impossible. All right. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 28. So let's go to the next one. You see God's love language right there? These are the blessings you're about to experience if you obey. Right? Next one. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. The environment you live in will be blessed. You remember Joseph? Just because he was in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's house got blessed. He went to prison, prison got blessed. He went to the palace, palace got blessed. Right? He obeyed God. Next one. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks. So, guess what? If your voice is telling you, I don't know about my children, what they're going to become, oh my gosh. That's not what a blessing sounds like. Do you know, nobody knows anything bad about my kids. Really, hard. I mean, I don't think so. If they do, it's their own experience, not, my, not me telling them. I don't even know there's anything bad actually coming about it. Anyway, <laughs> my point is, I understand that we talk to people to discuss things of how we can help somebody, right? That's different. But if your mod- motto is, I don't know about these children, I'm never going to be anything. They just won't come to church. Oh my God. Well, okay, then great. Good for you. Glad you ain't my mama. But <laughs> you need to pound the enemy, with your words about your children and your offspring. You need to beat him up with your mouth. Loudly, so he can hear the echo. You hear me? Uh, This past, last year, for Mother's Day, the Lord showed me this revelation that women should start saying, the fruit of my womb will not produce for the kingdom of darkness i forbid it everything anyone from the fruit of my womb which means my children their children every children after that will produce what they were created to produce for the kingdom of god i didn't bear children in this world for hell no thank you you're not going to use me like that and i didn't bear children in this world to add to the kingdom of darkness and give it some kind of props No, thank you. My children work for the kingdom of God. That's who they work for. And I declare it as so. It can't go any other way. You see what I'm saying? This is all from Deuteronomy 28. This is a model. We're creating a model. All right? Next one. Well, your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. I mean, next one. Wherever you go, 
whatever you do, you will be blessed. So the curse can be following you around. A black cloud should not be anywhere near you. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Because you have to have faith that you are capable of obeying God. You can't go around saying, I don't know if I could hear God. Like, you know, I'm not sure that I could hear God. And, uh, no, that's impossible. You were created in his likeness and image. The first person you should be able to hear is God. He talked to you first. Before anybody else ever heard a thing about you, God already told you about you. Every cell in your body knows God. Every part of your inside knows God. So you know a good way to get acclimated to God? Read the word of God out loud to your body so it can hear something it's familiar with. Waiting for something to change, just sitting there, I don't know when that's going to change, is not going in the right direction. It is really, it's creating It's creating an environment of hopelessness. It has zero faith value, which means every time you do it, you're going into bankruptcy, spiritually and emotionally. When you've done those actions, tell me how energized you are when you get out of there. Tell me how you wake up full of energy, just ready to take the day. Not happening, right? So your own words can change everything within a matter of an hour. I'm writing the book, so I'm doing it. I'm like, man, I feel good. Chapter one, I'm just like, woo! Because it takes, it's different than just saying the whole scripture. See, the scriptures are designed to show us what is going to be defeated by what God could do. So if we're not careful, we're reading the whole thing and people who are negatively minded will think of themselves as the enemy part, not the victory part. And they're also thinking of how they can get the victory that's being said in the scripture. Well, honey, you got it. (laughs) It was packaged for you. So the part that talks about the enemy was packaged for the enemy. Do you understand this? You don't have to figure it out. (laughs) If you do God's love language, which is to obey him, it shows love to him. That means you're loving God. Well, my gosh. Think about you who have kids. People say they don't have favorites, but I can guarantee you, if there's one that ain't doing anything that you ask and one that does, I think inside you have a favorite. (laughs) You have a favorite. (laughs) All right? So let's, we're talking about the model. The first thing in the model, you have to know your position. Okay? That we're creating a model, remember? I didn't forget. You, you know your position. And your position is the top, high above, 
the next thing. Got it? So, if you are in an environment where you're the only Christian, I mean, it's like a, a home run. Like there's no, I mean, there's no competition. What are we even talking about here? There, you, you can't compare yourself to anything there. It's just not even like you shouldn't even bother. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Like, you shouldn't even consider it. Like, I have experienced this in my own life. Without putting all this together like I did today. In the shower I got this and here we are. But the thing is, I worked for a company for seven months because they bought their competitor. This is right out of grad school. Just graduated grad school. Got this job as a salesperson in a region of the country where all, most, all the customers were Middle Eastern men. So my boss who hired me after a year of searching and interviewing many people was, all, was wanting a man because, a guy, because these are Middle Eastern men. My last name at the time was an Indian last name, which is very obvious. I ain't no, you know, I'm an Indian woman, which is the last person they listened to. But he hired me. He was supposed to train me for, I don't know, three months. He was supposed to sit in his office while he watches everything you do. It lasted two weeks. I was out there in two weeks. So anyway... In seven months, before I had to leave, so here's what happened. He told me, I'm going to train you, uh, uh, Serge Paul, I'm going to train you. That was my maiden name. And you're, I'm going to have to teach you how to lie. You're just going to have to learn how to lie. If you're going to be good at sales, you're going to have to learn. I said, well, I'm going to teach you how much sales you can get with the truth. He said, no, 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 that happened. I said, well, then just let's just watch. So I told him, I know nothing about this industry. I have zero experience. When I say zero, zero experience in this industry. The peop- my customers haven't been serviced for a year. And I am not the person that they would look forward to being serviced by. I am one of the people that's part of their harem, which they tried to recruit me for. Well, we'll bypass that. So... I said, not only am I not going to lie, but I'm going to triple sales. I have no idea what the heck I'm talking about. I am going to triple sales for our top three, your top three customers, and you're going to watch. You're going to see. Well, I tripled sales for the top three customers. And the problem, I, I didn't know all the logistics. The problem was that they had a credit line, you know, with the company. The top three people had a credit line, right? And that's how they purchased stuff was with the credit line. Well, I didn't realize this, but the entire production facility was working day and night just to fulfill the orders for my customers. Well, not only that now, the credit people called me and says, we have trucks lined up to drive off and but we need money because the credit line is too little for all the orders that they have just placed. So my customers, all the rugs that were on the truck were already sold. They didn't even get rugs yet to fill their store. The whole, their stores are empty, and these rugs that are about to be delivered to them have already been sold. 
So I now had to call. I remember one customer I had to call, and I had to ask him to wire immediately $82,000. He said, my wife is going to kill me. I said, no, she won't. These rugs have already been sold. What are you tell, talking about? Wire me $82,000. Everybody in my office is listening to me talk to this dude. I said, send it now, or I'm giving your rugs to my next customer who's waiting for rugs too. So he wired $82,000 just right there within the hour. <laughs> I, have, I never told them a lie, nothing. I just tell them the absolute truth. After a while, I think they, they came and asked me to stop, like give somebody else a chance. Everybody's orders are held up because the, they can't keep up. I was there a month or two maybe. They had to literally take me into the warehouse, the, the manufacturing plant, to show me how rugs are made, all the details of a rug. I had to learn from scratch. I didn't know anything about it. But what I did know was I could tell my customers, hey, God would give me ideas for them, and I'd tell them, and it would, their businesses were like exploding. So when it was time that the president of the company decided that somebody came and um, negotiated for my – I was the newest person they hired, Right. So this manager, they, they, they removed all the manager levels in the commercial. I was in the wholesale. You know, they fired, they were letting them all go because they acquired their competitor who already had those positions. So one of the managers, a Middle Eastern man, um, negotiated for my job because he knew the owner. So the owner and my boss, one is from Belgium, my boss. The owner is from South Africa. And they both can speak Afrikaans. They're in the owner's office. Well, not the owner, but the president of the company. They're in his office for like an hour arguing, like fighting, like huge fight for one hour in Afrikaans. And nobody knows what's going on. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, something big just happened. But nobody knows what they're talking about because it's all in Afrikaans. So then my boss comes out and says, Serge Paul, we have to go to HR. Well, I didn't, know, I didn't know what happened. I go to HR, they're telling me that my position has been eliminated. And then they're asking me for advice. I said, excuse me, you just told me I lost my job and I should give you advice? I don't think so. <laughs> this was one month before I was supposed to get married. So <laughs> that was the place. So I'm believing, I'm actually speaking to that job. Because at the time, I didn't know enough to like, deal with it, right, to, like, ask for what I should have had. So I'm speaking to it because I was wrongfully removed from my position because they lied to me. They told me my position no longer exists, but it did because that guy came right to my desk right after I left and took my position. My coworkers told me. They were all mad about it. So, my, so, so see, that's the enemy stole something from me, right? And people were fighting for me, but it didn't work. So that company owes me some money. I haven't let up on it. It'll happen. But again, I didn't compare myself to any of the salespeople there. I didn't, compare, I, I didn't even know about, you know, I was just doing my thing. But my point is, when the Spirit of God is in you, he will lead you into all truth. He'll lead you to do the right thing even if you don't know it. That's why you have him. You see? 
Everywhere I've gone to work for in corporate America, anywhere for that matter, I've always ended up being the top person that people come to for advice with no experience in the field whatsoever. Because I believe God. I, I just don't not believe God. I don't know how else to explain this to you. And it's not like, I just don't have enough life experience to know better. What other experience should I compare God to? None. You understand? I lived in a country at a time where bread, bread was banned. You couldn't have bread. You know the bread that now today the carb people say you shouldn't have carbs? Well, it was no problem for us. We couldn't have it. If, if wheat flour was found in your house or your car, it would be seized by the police. That's the era I grew up in. Mm-hmm. You know how everybody is doing the uh, no gluten stuff over here? You know what it is you're eating is rice flour. You know what rice flour does? It makes your belly swell up. So in Guyana, the government had decided that we have to eat from our own land. We can't have any imports. It's illegal to have anything imported. So in order to accommodate the flour deal, they came up with the rice flour because we have an abundance of rice. So you had to eat, you ate rice for lunch, which was our regular diet, and then we would eat roti with the wheat flour for dinner, but we can't have wheat flour, so we would eat rice in flour form again. So all that, I never questioned God. And then some people visited, some visitors came to our, to our a whole team of people came to our church as a team from another country, and they were saying this song. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. And I thought to myself, do they know that bread is banned? (laughs) I was like, I don't know, I was probably nine or something. And I was like, do they know what they're saying? (laughs) Like, what are they saying? What do you mean? Everybody is begging for bread. We're like hoping bread will come back. (laughs) I I remember the childlike mindset. I must have been younger, though. I was like, what? Do they even know where they are? Like, I remember thinking that. Anyway, all the experiences I've had in my life, none of it ever made me think God wasn't who he is. As a matter of fact, it makes me think he is greater than, he, than I thought he was. But what do we do with all this knowledge of God? That's the whole point, right? So we're going to create a model for our life. So the first model you need to know is what your position is. And I'm recommending Deuteronomy 28 just as a guide. But honestly, there's so many scriptures in the Bible. You need to seek out your position. A good little book is um, In Him. Actually, the In Him little mini book. We have some here, don't we? We have some. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, see Ms. Lisa after. She'll show you. It's a little mini book. It has all the scriptures of who we are in Christ because of what God did. This is who we are. Perfect book for that. Okay? Now, let's go to 1 John 4.4. 4. So if you read Deuteronomy 28, you're going to see all the stuff that's in the blessing. All right? 1 John 4.4 4 says, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won 
a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Does anybody not believe that? Well, then if you have the spirit living in you that's greater than the spirit living in the world, what should that do? What should that do? (laughs) Right? So you have to know your position and know the spirit that you live by. You have to live by a spirit besides your own spirit. So which spirit are you living by? Now, let me explain this. If you're a Christian, born again, you've received Jesus as your Savior, you have the Spirit of God living in you. But that does not necessarily mean that you're living your life by the Spirit of God. Mm. Because what would that take? What would it take for you to live your life by the Spirit of God that's greater, which is inside of you, what would it take? It would take your permission for him to actually do something. (laughs) Right? But what people are doing is giving the other spirit that's weaker permission to dictate what their life looks like. I told you you would know all the stuff I'm talking about. We're just simply making a model now that you can put together so that it cannot go any other way. Everybody with me? Seeing a picture here? I mean, you're probably painting a whole different picture for your life right now just from what we have just discussed. You know, when I go anywhere, I don't think I'm going to lose, ever. I may, I may be like thinking, I wonder how, but I never think, oh man, this is just going to fail. I, I just don't think that way. It's just not in me. Like, it can't, I, I can't find it in me to do that. Like, even if I start something and I don't continue it and I stop, I still don't think I failed. I'm just like trying to see the proper way. Like I'm still thinking about it. Do you know what I'm saying? I might be frustrated that I didn't get the answer or whatever results I was looking for, but I I haven't stopped thinking about it. I haven't stopped, you know, meditating. Like there's got to be a way. There's got to be a solution. You know what I'm saying? So uh, on January 18th, it was, well, the 17th, I'm in bed, and I'm thinking about, I want to look like I did in my 20s. Like, there's no way. I'm going to the rest of my life looking this way. This is just ridiculous. I'm just thinking, you know, like, I got to find a solution. And I'm thinking, this is probably midnight, and the Holy Spirit says to me, you need to start going to the gym Every day for one hour, every business day for one hour for the next hundred days. 
The next morning I got up. Well, I had a schedule, you know. I put my makeup on, everything. Put on some workout clothes. I put clothes on that would be transferable, you know. Like I could kind of wear it at the gym and then I could make it look good for where I was going. But I had to put my makeup on, you know. I'm at the gym fully made up. Everybody's like, look at me. I'm like, so the Holy Spirit says you're not allowed to be here more than one hour. So I set a timer, set a timer for one hour, go to the gym. Oh, my gosh. I'm just like, oh, this is so great. I love this so much, right? So I come out. I'm so happy. Like, I'm just, like, happy. And the Holy Spirit's like, I'm like, thank you, Holy Spirit. So later on, the Lord shows me. He knows, right, I would never disobey an instruction from God. I don't care what I have to do. I make it happen, right? So because this was such a desire for me, the Holy Spirit made it an instruction that he gave me. So I had to do it. And later on, he showed me, he said, you could have done this the whole time. But you know why? Because I put everybody else first than me in that regard so in other words if I were to say so now I reschedule people around me going to the gym and I feel no guilt about it whatsoever apparently before I felt guilty about it well that got out of me do you see what I'm saying because I would never feel guilty about doing something God asked me to do in a million years and the Holy Spirit knew that right so I'm like well the hundred Days are going to be up in June. He said, you don't have to do it. You should do this for the rest of your life. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I could have done it the whole time. But my own thinking was putting a restriction on me doing it. Which I must have picked up somewhere from some demonic influence. You see? So it freed me. All that had to happen was the instruction came from God. <laughs> so I was joking because the one day last week, the, uh, there was fixing something on our road, some pipes, and they literally had, in front of our driveway, the road was cut open. And you know how they say road closed? The road closed sign was in our driveway, right? That's what was closed. Our driveway was closed, right? So I wake up and I'm hearing all this drilling and everything going. I'm peeking outside. I'm going, well, that ain't good. So Pastor Doug comes in and he says, yeah, I don't know. We can't leave right now because we're like in the house. I said, well, so I put on my gym clothes <laughs> and I go on the porch and I'm standing with my purse, my phone, my headphones, my water, my gym clothes. I'm looking and they're like doing all this machinery. So I can't even say anything because they can't hear me because they got all this stuff going on. So I walked down the steps, stood behind my car. All everything in my hands. And the guy says, oh, here, we'll move. So there's a little tiny spot where their equipment was. They moved all of it so I could back out. And I took off to the gym and I said, you know what would have happened before if the Holy Spirit didn't give me that instruction? I would have said, I can't go to the gym today because my driveway is closed. I think two weeks before that, it snowed one morning. And I'm thinking, hmm, I got to get to the gym. (laughs) The gym is open, I'm going. (laughs) 
I sure enough went to the gym. The road got cleared up. I went to the gym. Do you know what I'm saying? Because to me, it's not just about my body and fulfilling my desire for a goal I have, but it's an instruction from God that he gave me. If you think about these things you want without hopelessness, if you think about it like, God, there's got to be something that I'm missing, that you know, and the Holy Spirit will give you the answer, and it'll be the biggest joy you ever had. I love going to the gym. I love lifting heavy weights. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't even explain to you the joy of me being there. I just love it. <laughs> and the funny thing is, so I've lost this much inches off my waist. I have a string that I had even had, you know, where I'd measured my waist, and I have another string of the waist I want to have. I just didn't know how to get it done. So I'm like, well, let me check that string out. So, I, so it's only been a month and a half, two months maybe, or something like that. So I checked the string, and I, this much has been removed from my waist. I'm like, yay! Yeah. But my body feels so good because I'm moving it. And every time, I mean, and I, I increase the weight every week, you know. I'm just like, let's do double this. Let's do, I'm just, oh, my <laughs> But that was God's instruction to me to help me fulfill a desire I have of an image I have of myself. That's how important your decisions are to God. It's so important that he tries his best to tell you not to do something, but if you decide to do it, he has to let you. But when the Holy Spirit gives you an instruction, you know you were on track. (laughs) You know that what you were thinking is what God would say, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's help her out. (laughs) Like, yes! So now I'm speaking a double-double for my actions. You know what I'm saying? Why not? So, okay, so you got to know what spirit you're listening to, and that's a spirit you live by. If you honor the Holy Spirit in your life, he will tell you things you don't even know exist. And it's not a hit or miss. It should be a normal procedure. Right? Okay. Now we go to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. We're almost there. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, which tells you the law that you live by, right? I caught them. Okay. So Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, right? And then... Well, this is doing double time. This is the first and the greatest commandment, all right? A second and equally important. So there is an equal sign next to how you love God. There's an equal sign, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. So it's not less or more, it's equal. 
So you're breaking the commandments if you make it not equal in any direction, negative or positive. So if you love yourself less than you love God, you can't possibly love your neighbor more or equal to how you love God. Right? It's impossible because you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. So you've just messed up the whole equation. God wants to be the first one. In other words, he's not jealous for you to love people equally. He wants you. He said the next is like it, equal to it. But he wants to be the first one because that becomes the standard you use. Okay? That's the standard. The first one is God. Equal yourself and your neighbor. They should be like that. If you go above, you're out, you're disobeying. If you go under, you're disobeying. So all those negative words you say about yourself. The question you have to ask is, do you say that about God also? If you say negative things about God, but you say better things about yourself, your equation is out of order. You see? This right here, Jesus told them, replaces the Ten Commandments. All the Ten Commandments are in this right here. This is the New Testament version of the Ten Commandments. Right? So the third thing is your love walk equation must be correct. Everybody got that? Okay. Now I'm going to wrap up with this part, which was the hardest for me to do. Hence the reason we're having this study tonight. But I fixed it yesterday, so I feel okay about it today. The fourth thing that you should have in this model to live by. Let's go to Psalm 35. Well, let's go to Psalm 91 first. Let's go to Psalm 91 first. So the first thing, everybody's with me, right? You guys tracking with me? Or did I lose anybody? Any questions? Ask me a question. It's all right. Question? First thing, you've got to know your position. You're supposed to be high above. There should be a gap. You should be at the top. There should be a gap between you and the next thing. The spirit that you live by must be God, the Holy Spirit. Don't assume it's what you're living by because he's living in you. It's what you live externally by as well. The way that you can operate in faith, you have to have a love walk. You can't have faith without love because faith works by love. So listen, if your faith equation is out of order, if your love equation is out of order, your faith walk is going to be hard because your love walk is not right. 
So those things, prayers you want to get answered may not be getting answered because your love that is supposed to drive the faith isn't quite what it should be. Do you see that? Okay, now the fourth thing. Uh, Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High shall find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Let's keep going. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. Right? Next one. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Next one. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Okay, let's stop there. You can read the whole thing. It's very good. You have to have protection language activated. You've got to have this. Think about the most richest uh, places on the earth, right? What is a very high priority? Protection. Security detail is high. Your security detail against enemies, specifically against enemies, okay? This is against enemies. You have to have a plan in your life against enemies. Okay? We're going to spend some time on this. So let's go to Psalm 35. Let's go there. I can go there now. I'm good. We fixed this problem. When you see it, you're going to see why I was having a major problem, but we fixed it. So I'm 35. So here's an instruction the Holy Spirit gave me like two week, a week ago. I don't know. Two, maybe it was a week ago. To pray Psalm 35 every day until he tells me to stop. Well, I was just having a problem. Because when you read the words, you're going to see why. But this is my problem. This is my problem with my life. I was having a problem with this. So the Holy Spirit was showing me that I have a secure, I have a problem. I don't have plans to take care of my enemies. And I have enemies. <laughs> we all, we have enemies. Right? But I seem to have a lot because, you know, I got blessed children home. I have the church. I'm trying to finish my doctoral degree. I have Fiona Inc., I, you know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I got enemies. They're coming from all the different places, I imagine. And if you don't have a security system for the enemies, you're gonna end up with problems. Right? So let's go Psalm 35. Oh Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight against me. Put on your armor. I'm asking God to put on his armor. Which, by the way, the armor of God, Ephesians armor is God's armor. And take up your shield, prepare for battle, and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin. Isn't that what they're asking for in the Ukraine? Spear. Against those who pursue me, let me hear you say, I will give you victory. Bring shame and disgrace on those trying to kill me. 
turn them back and humiliate those who want to harm me. I was having the heart. I'm like, you can't say these words. I got cured yesterday. Blow them away like chaff in the wind. A wind sent by the angel of the Lord. This is the Bible. Make their path dark and slippery. With the angel of the Lord pursuing them. So not only can't they run, but they got somebody pursuing them and it ain't me. I did them no wrong. Here's the qualification for your security to be activated, right? I did them no wrong, but they laid a trap for me. I did them no wrong, but they dug a pit to catch me. So let sudden ruin come upon them. Let them be caught in the trap they set for me. Let them be destroyed in the pit they dug for me. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because he rescues me. With every bone in my body, I will praise him. Hold, pause right there. Do you know that sometimes I would know when uh, somebody is attacking me with their words because I would feel it in my body. I hear God has a security plan for that. <laughs> with every bone in my body, I will praise him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. Well, I mean, this is all true for me. I don't know about you guys. They pray, they repay me evil for good. I am sick with despair. I really didn't want to say I was sick. I'm like, Lord, I ain't sick. But, you know, just in case despair wants to come and makes me sick, this is how I'm using it. Yet, when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad as though they were my friends or family. The reason my prayers were unanswered in those cases was because of what they were doing. As if I were grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I'm in trouble. They gleefully join together against me. I'm attacked by people I don't even know, which is true. They slander me constantly. They mock me and call me names. They snarl at me. How long, O oh Lord, will you look on and do nothing? And this was hard. I'm like, I don't think you don't do anything. But he said, yes, I do. I'm looking because you're not saying anything. <laughs> Rescue me from their fierce attacks. Protect my life from these lions. Toothless lions. Then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the people. Don't let my treacherous enemies rejoice over my defeat. Look at how he gives adjectives to the enemy. Don't let those who hate me without cause gloat over my sorrow. They don't talk of peace. They plot against innocent people who mind their own business. They shout, aha, aha, with our own eyes we saw him do it. Oh, Lord, you know all about this. Do not stay silent. Do not abandon me now, O oh Lord. Wake up, rise to my defense, take up my case, my God and my Lord. Declare me not guilty. Because remember, they feel justified doing things against you because they are declaring you guilty. So a stronger voice has to say the truth. So God, you're saying to God, declare me not guilty. Right? Oh Lord, my God, for you give justice. Don't let my enemies laugh about me in my troubles. Don't let them say, look, we got what we wanted. Now we will eat him alive. 
May those who rejoice at my troubles be humiliated and disgraced. May those who triumph over me be covered with shame and dishonor. But give great joy to those who came to my defense. Let them continue to say, great is the Lord who delights in blessing his servant with peace. Then I will proclaim your justice and I will praise you all day long. Is that it? Okay. And I'll praise you all day. Some of the versions say, I've read it in every version. I was trying to find a one I could like bring myself to say. But <laughs> um, none of them are any less descriptive than that. But what I'm trying to show you is this is how God sees your enemies. Now what I've been doing is what Samuel did to Saul. I've done it repeatedly over my life. And God would have to say, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? (laughs) You'd think I'd learn after a couple times. But I'm cured now, thank you. So if anybody hears of anybody against me, please warn them. Go read 35. That's what's going to happen to you because I'm saying it with faith. So, if you don't have a protection detail in your life, you're going to get stolen from. You're going to get beaten up and you're going to get robbed. John 10.10 is going to happen to you the bad part. Your life more abundantly is unprotected. So you have to have God as your security detail is what I'm trying to say. So you need to find scriptures that you can speak of to say, I want that security detail over my life. Psalm 91 is a good one. This is a good one. Psalm 91 is great for um, health, specifically too, the security detail of health. And then the, um, this one is good for this, this. I mean, Psalm 35 covers every gossiper at any level, level you would ever meet in your life. Every, you know, Haman every um, Judas, every what are some of the other bad people um, <laughs> that plot, uh, every Korah, all these people. Yeah, Psalm 35 covers it. Now, if you don't know how this system works and you just hear me praying that one day, <laughs> you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's what Pastor Fiona prays over the church? That's re- I can't believe that. You, you see, so <laughs> with that said, You want all of it to work together, (laughs) right? Don't just take one of these parts and say, I have the model. This is the model. No, 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 no. (laughs) You need to have the whole thing operating in your life. Does that make sense? And then now you've got a good place to put the things that you learn about God. You know where to put them. You put them in your position box you put them in your being led by the spirit box you put them in your love walk box you put them in your protection box does that make it good these are all the features of christianity that you can use you know people buy a lot of equipment and then they have all these features and they use half of it because you just don't know how to use it well now you have a place to put everything right does that make sense so um i had to I don't know what my problem was. 
but either way, it's solved. Uh, <laughs> I mean, could you imagine saying, I think I was seeing people, so I asked the Lord to remove every image out of my head of who I thought an enemy was. <laughs> it helped. Because then it's just a, it's just a set. Like, imagine you're putting in a, a security camera or something, and you're imagining who the thief would be. Well, that you don't really do that. <laughs> But it is, a, it is there for any thief, right? So that's how I had to um, put that in place. You know what I'm saying? Because when I was thinking of the people that have done these things to me, I was feeling bad for them. <laughs> right? So I, it was hard for me to say these things. You know what I'm saying? And so the Lord says, so the Lord had to correct me, and he says, well, they don't feel bad doing this against you. They think they're right. So either they're right or I'm right. Choose. Well, that wasn't hard for me to do that. I fixed it. I think God's right. Yeah. So <laughs> do you see? These are the places you examine yourself to see if you're in line, if you're in order. If your life is out of order or not, this is where you go check it out. Does that make sense? Questions? Everybody good? They're all staring at me like, oh, my God. <laughs> but I don't know. I should have drawn a box or something for the model. But these are the, uh, so this goes with one. This goes with two. This goes with three. And we got two for four as far as scriptures go. Right? So now in Deuteronomy 28, it says uh, he'll make you the head and not the tail. If you, are, if you see yourself positioned properly, you won't fight what he's trying to do. Because he said he's going to make you that. So it's got to be made, right? But if you're fighting it, he can't do it. So there's like a, there's a, a beginning of a building maybe being made for that, but you couldn't finish it because you're fighting it. Right? But things in the spirit happen quicker, so that can be fixed in a jiffy. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for this lesson that you will teach us more Holy Spirit as we go about our time today and this week and this month. Show us the things in our life and how to categorize them Show us how to um, order our steps based on your plan for our life, what you wrote in our books, what you said when you were forming us, what you thought when you were forming us. Because in Psalm 139, you say your thoughts are weighty about us. They're so vast that, you know, he couldn't write them all down. So he's got to be speaking them over us because he's thinking them. So, Father, we agree with your thoughts about us. And we ask you to adjust our thoughts to accommodate your thoughts and give us images and pictures that we can see what you're thinking about us, Father. And we remove, we clean the slate of the enemy's scraggly drawings of us. We remove those things from our minds and we put in the 4D version of your image of us, Father the version we can touch and feel and taste and see and experience. And I thank you, Father, 
that you have our best interest in mind. We are your treasures. We are your vessels that you chose to fill with yourself. And so, Father, may our lives bring glory and honor to you on this earth because we fulfill all your plans that you wrote for us. And we become obedient to your word, Father, and your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Amen, ladies.